it's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Prevenex. As runners, joint pain is something that we all deal with constantly, or hopefully not constantly. But if you're like me, I'm getting up there and it happens. So our joints take a pounding and it can derail our training. We've all been there, but have you found a proven solution? I have. Prevenex Joint Health Plus. My friends, I've been using this for over five months and it's been absolutely fantastic. I've noticed a huge reduction in joint pain and my joints recover much faster from workout so I can get back out there and do it all again, which is obviously why we're doing all this and certainly the most fun part of all of our running. So why is it so great to have runners specifically involved in this process? Well, Not only are the ingredients scientifically tested and proven, but also anecdotally speaking, they have dozens and dozens of runners who work with them full time. I'm one of them and I love it. And we can all testify to the power of this product. It's just so great. In fact, you'll get a, um, not only will you get a money back guarantee, but you're going to notice a difference in seven to 10 days. That's right. Just seven to 10 days. That is unheard of. And beyond that, it's also clinically proven. So this is just the best of both worlds. If you don't love what you got, you can just send it back. You get a full refund. But believe me, you're not going to do that. Just go to Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first purchase now. Who we got in the episode today? None other than Anna Johnson. What a remarkable person she is. My goodness. I couldn't wait to get her on the show. You're about to hear why. She grew up in a smaller town in Mexico. She went to school there. She started running at an extremely young age from a long-distance running perspective. Wait till you hear the ages where she ran her first half marathon. It's insane. Um, Comes to the United States after high school, works as an au pair, then ends up getting into NYU and working in and going through the, their nursing program. I mean, one of the best universities in the world. Then graduates and starts working at one of the best hospitals in the world, Sloan Kettering. So we talk about that entire process, her journey as a runner, and then qualifying for the Olympic trials, how that went for her, which didn't go as she had expected, but you'll hear why in a little bit. And then also how her life has changed in this new era from a healthcare perspective in regards to COVID. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Anna Johnson. Hello, Anna, and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. You are, without question, one of the busiest runners in America right now. You're someone who I, I couldn't wait to have on this show. I've been you know, following you for a while now, and you are you know, not only a sub-elite marathoner, but you are an oncology nurse at, at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City, which at this point obviously is you know a whole different world um, from what it was say a year ago at this time, or even you know three months ago from this time. So I can't wait to talk to you about all of these things. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me because I'm sure you have an even busier life <laughs> now than you normally do. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I follow you on Instagram as well, and I love all your uh, podcasts and everything. And I'm so happy to be here with you and talking about my busy life in New York City. (laughs) 
your busy your busy life in New York City. That could be like that. If I if I did if I did titles for the podcast, that might be it. So if we just go back to say January first, right? If you just go back to the beginning of the year, so many people on that day or a couple of days before will put out you know, like their, their New Year's resolutions, what I want to do in 2020. Obviously, your world has turned upside down. But if you could go back in time, you know, four months or so to January 1st, what did you want or what did you have in store for this year? Well, January 1st, it was just an amazing adventure training for the Olympic trials. Um, I qualified for the Olympic trials in 2018 in the Ottawa Marathon. So I was looking forward for that training. And that training was in January 2020. Just go get stronger and have enjoy my, my training. Um, so yeah, in January, I start uh, running and training pretty hard for the trials. And at that point, did you have a specific goal for the trials? Yeah, so... I'll tell you my experience. I had the most amazing experience in my running journey. Um, first training for the trials. It was just an unreal adventure. I trained with such a talented runners uh, within the running community. We were all preparing for the same goal. And we had a very fun time. We were probably about uh, 20 women from New York City that qualified for the trials. So... This woman came from a variety of running teams, such as Central Park, Central Park Track Club, Nayak, Brooklyn Track Club, Dashing Whippet, and uh, seven girls from my team, which is Distance Project of New York City. So the coolest part of the experience was that all the teams of New York City running community came together and trained as one. So we built the most awesome New York City team for the Olympic trials. My weekends were full of joy when I would do my long runs or workouts with a few of these ladies. It was just so motivating to run with them. We push each other um, out of our limits during workouts, as well as easy social long runs. And during the week, I used to train with my running team buddy, uh, Harriet, which are the same coach. Uh, so we had similar workouts together. So it was so inspired to run with Harriet. She's such a talented runner. I was just having a blast. Um, so going into the trials weekend was unbelievable. Do you want to talk about the trials? How did it go? Or Let, Let's talk about that running group first, because that is such a unique experience. Because you know, a lot of people have running groups, especially people who are in an urban area where, you know, people kind of are just, you know, they naturally live close to each other. So it's easier to get, to come together, no matter whether it's for a running group or to get dinner, right? I mean, it's just, it's just one of the things when you live in a, and you live in a city, getting together with people just becomes inherently easier. Now you mentioned that you had, you know, these four or five different running groups throughout New York city and New York city has what it feels like hundreds of running groups all together oh, God, where yeah. you could all work together in this, not only collegial way, but you know you're helping each other improve for this huge race with that sort of collaboration how did that come together was there a certain person who who brought these groups together or what what was the what was the process where these different running groups came together not just for one day but for a few months i mean new york city is a big yeah you mentioned running community and we do participate in new york runners 
and they have these races throughout the year. And we are, you know, competitive runners that we always line up uh, on the front of the line and we we see each other. And I recognize all these girls and we're always there um, and we race together. So I I see them all the time. So running with them, I start talking to them, just, you know, friendly, uh, just be friendly. And and then when we qualify, I already know this woman. So we just start getting excited about the same goal. And it was just like a party. It's like every weekend we used to uh, text each other and, and say, hey, let's do the long run. Let's do all these workouts. So because we, we all have similar workouts. So it was just very fun that we, this community where we, we train as, as one for the New York City team. Um, yeah, we had a, we had a great time. All right. Let's talk about those runs because, and I think about this sort of situation, I think about like the Steve Prefontaine movie where he goes to like Oregon and like the first rule is there's no racing in practice. Right. But then he tries to race anybody and he tries to race everybody anyway, even though it's against the rules. So when you're in these, these workouts with, you know, with your friends who you've also been competitive with at the same time, um, on a scale of one to 10, one being like no competition, we're just all friends, and 10 being highly competitive, what were some of these runs like? Uh, no, to be honest, I think I, I friendly. I, I never thought about, oh man, she's beating me. I have to go faster. No, honestly, no. I, I was so motivated with the girls who were, who were in front of me. And I was just like, I want to run with them because I want to get faster. So if I run with her, I know I will push myself out of my limits so I can keep up with her. That's how I was thinking. No, nothing like, oh, she's beating me. I have to go. So I, I think it was more like a friendly, doing friendly workouts together just to get motivated and and just get better. That's it. So who were the runners that you that you looked at and said, all right, I want to stay with them because, you know, that, that means, you know, like you just mentioned, like there's some people that you looked at and said, hey, like, I want to stay with them because if I can, that's, that's a good sign. Oh, well, it's one of my really good um, teammates, uh, Harriet Kelly. She, I admire her because she, um, she did Berlin um, last year in uh, 230, 237. So, and I know she was, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we, we have the same coach. So we have the same workouts together and everything. So I was like, if I ever can keep up with her, that means that I'm really fit and I can do it. So I, I started running with her, you know, during the weeks, weekends, and I was able to keep up with her. So I was like, oh, I'm just getting so strong. I'm getting better. And I just feel so great. And I was like, yes, this is like we work. We, we just run the same pace, all the workouts through just before the trial. <laughs> so, yeah, that, she was my motivation and I still admire her. She's a great runner. How about, is there anyone from any of the other teams that maybe you didn't run with a whole lot before, but then all of a sudden there was someone that you tried to keep up with during these workouts? Oh, totally. There is another uh, girl, Sarah Cummings. Uh, she trains for NIAC. 
she is an amazing and such a talented runner as well. Um, I think she's like 234 marathoner. And I always admire her. Like, I always like, oh, she's, you know, she's the greatest. And I was, we did some workouts just like two or three weeks before the trials. And I was so happy to stay with her. Like, we were running together the for the workers I was like oh yes I, I just I couldn't believe it I was like it's happening <laughs> so yeah Sarah um also one of my other teammates Caitlin Phillips she's also a great runner uh she's she, I mean she's 230 234 marathon as well and yeah I was she's she's probably a little ahead of us but not much I was just I can see her that's a good that's very good for me <laughs> So are you one of those runners who likes to kind of have people in front of you, whether it's workouts or races, and then you can kind of key off them? Or are you someone who likes to kind of be near the front and kind of setting the pace and then not worrying about kind of who's behind you? No, I like to be behind them. I am the one who stayed like I start very, you know, I'm conservative, so I stay behind them and and just probably if I still have the energy, uh, I can just run faster towards the end and pass them. Otherwise, I will just stay behind them. Oh, okay. All right. So before we, before we get into the trials, I, I love setting the stage for people to understand exactly you know where you came from, um, literally and you know figuratively. Um, you know, from a running perspective and also just from a life perspective, because you're someone who, from a running perspective, was running long distances at ages where most people who grew up in the States never experience. And it's, it's so unique, you know, for someone who, you know, even who's someone who's been running their whole life. Like you ran, is this true that you ran your first half marathon when you were nine years old? Uh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> without stopping all right so don't, don't tell me about that race just yet i want to hear about like your introduction to running at what age and how quickly it took off because when i hear like when you're running a longer distance than your age like that's a that's a big deal right like even if you're two years old if you're running three miles like that's a big deal if you're 100 years old you're running 101 miles and no matter how old you are that's a huge ratio <laughs> So I started running when, yeah, when I was a little kid. I started probably about um, when I was seven years old. Uh, thanks to my parents, they both, uh, they were marathoners. My, they were, they run like 21 marathons. So I used to train with them. Um, and they used to take me to the kids races and I used to win them. So when I was nine years old, I ran my first half marathon without stopping. Uh, I don't know. It probably took me. Oh, I, I know even now, like two hours, more than two hours, definitely. But yeah, I was, I was proud of myself. <laughs> and then when I turned 18 years old, I run my first marathon in my hometown. Uh, so I am from uh, Torreon in Mexico. It's in the north side um, in Mexico. And the marathon that I run is called Marathon Lala. So, and I finish with a time of three hours and 30 minutes. Um and I was just running with my parents back then. Like, I wasn't doing any workout, nothing like that. I was just running every day and just go have fun running. That's it. And then, like, three hours and 30 minutes. So my parents were like, oh, you're not bad at all. You're, you know, you're pretty good. 
Um, and that's when I came uh, to the United States after I ran the marathon. I was 18 years old. I came to this uh, country to learn English as a second language and to work as a nanny. I was an au pair. So I used to live in New Jersey. So you, 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 you skipped a lot there. We went from nine years old and a half marathon to 18 years old running the marathon. So we skipped like, like this huge jump. So before we get to the marathon, when you were nine or even younger, did you have siblings? Like what was – not not from like – again, when you're nine, like you're not competing in athletics, right? You're just an active kid. So like what was – like when you were a kid at that age, like what was just like your – level of like participation and activity like and i say this is like you know you 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 have two young kids right now like i'm like i wonder like if you look at your kids like three years from now can you imagine one of them running a half marathon (laughs) no way (laughs) (laughs) well you know no i don't think so (laughs) but yeah i was i was pretty active um i i was always in sports uh i you know, when I was I was in ballet, I did ballet for ten years. I did gymnastics, I did swimming for eight years. So I was involved in everything. To be honest, I was I was pretty athletic, and and so I I just keep running and keep running, doing gymnastics or doing ballet at the same time. But then after when I turned like around eleven, twelve, I got tired of the ballet, and then I say. I just want to do something more, more kind of active. So I started running more and I started running more in school. I started running more with my parents. I did more uh, kids races and, and then I was getting better, like fast. And that's when I started like doing all these races and, and then I did my marathon in, when I turned 18 years old. So in, in, you know, in your country and like specifically in like the town that you grew up in, was there like school sports as well? Or were all of your races like things that you would just enter as an individual, not connected to your schooling? No, I will enter as an indi- individual. Yeah, they were not connected. Uh, they were not connected to my school. Yeah, in Mexico, they're not pretty good at it. They don't really have the schools. They don't really encourage kids to to do racing or sports. I mean, back then, I think right now it's a little better, but still, there is not a lot of support for for sports for for little kids. Um, so I will, my parents will help me to enter the race as an individual. Got it. So when you were doing all of this stuff, and obviously you were doing well and succeeding and and enjoying it, when you look back now. Did you continue with running during those years from 9 to 18 because of the success? Or did you find success just because you did it for the enjoyment? I think for the success, because I I start getting competitive. I remember I my every week, not every week, but probably every two, three weeks, we, I used to go to the kids' races. And I used to, there was one little girl that used to beat me. And I was like, I remember, I do remember her name is Argentina. And I remember, I want to beat her. So I I was like, mom, take me to the other kids races because I want to be number one. Uh, so I started getting that crazy running uh, feeling about I want to be number one. I want to be competitive. So yeah, I, I think it was just more for competition. Um, so finally I beat her like one race and I was like, yes, I did that. <laughs> 
<gasps> it's amazing how like how much we can all forget within our day. Like, all right, we forgot our keys or we forgot what we were supposed to pick up at the grocery store or whatever, but we never forget people who beat us in sports at young ages. Like I remember the the names of every single person that I wanted <laughs> to beat in every single sport when I was young. <laughs> that's right. That's that's when you become very competitive. <laughs> All right. So when you so when you were deciding to come to the United States uh, to be an au pair, what was what prompted that decision for you? And how did I get? I guess you know because I don't know anyone who's ever has ever made that decision before. Can you just walk me through that process of like, all right, this is what I want to do, and how it ended up coming to fruition? Yeah. So I finished high school in Mexico, and. I wanted to learn English and I just want to be a little bit learned to be independent because I, I mean, in Mexico, I depend on my family, on my, my parents, my brother. So I, you know, I was a little bit, I was just like independent and yeah, learn the language for one year, work by myself here and come back to Mexico and start college. So my parents say, yeah do it so we found this program out there in america so where you go uh with the family take care of the kids uh they will give you a salary a weekly salary and they will uh, allow you to study english while you're taking care of like and then you're taking care of the kids they will give you a car so you can drive everywhere so it sounds perfect um i found this family in new jersey i used to live in princeton uh, so I found this family in New Jersey and I was living with them for up to one year. I was taking care of three years, uh, sorry, of three kids. And and I was learning as, um, English as a second language in a community uh, college, college. But back then I didn't speak any English. I mean, my English was really bad. As you can tell, you know, yes, I still have an accent. That accent is not going to go away, but it's okay. It's New York. Um, however... It took me a while. So after the year was ending uh, in my program, the family asked me if I want to stay with them. Um, and I say, well, yeah, why not? I'll stay with them. So they uh, sponsored me uh, to get a student visa. And I started getting um, credits to go to school, to go to college. So I say, fine. So um, I say, I'm going to try at least for another year. If I don't like it, I always can go back to Mexico. So I try it and I, I like it. Then um, I met my husband in New York. I used to commute to New York City every weekend just to hang out. I didn't have a, a lot of friends, to be honest. I was kind of lonely. So um, I was on a Saturday night at around 7 o'clock in Times Square. I re- it was on Broadway and 57th Street. I was by myself drinking water. And then I saw this guy. Um, waiting for the light to cross the street and he looked at me and I look at him I was like oh, okay and then he started walking and then he turned around and looked at me again and I was like oh wow so he came back introduced himself we start talking and that's it we click <laughs> so we um yeah we interchange numbers and everything so and and this is 2003 uh, so then after that, I used to come to New York for dates with my with my boyfriend or whatever it was at that time. And then um, 
And then we got married uh, four years after that. Holy cow. So that almost didn't happen. I know. That almost didn't happen, right? Because <laughs> he looked at you, he kept walking, and then he turned around. Yep. Right? I mean, how many times have people done that in their lives, either literally or figuratively? Like, they, all right, should I do that? No, I'll just keep going. Like, he could have just kept walking. He didn't. And then, boom, it happened. That's amazing. And he never, he's from New York, so he never goes to to Times Square. Uh, He had a party around Times Square. So it's like, what? Just destiny. (laughs) That's what I was going to say next was like, I've I've had to walk through Times Square plenty of times for work because I've stayed in hotels there and gone to conferences. And I I, I had other jobs before this where I was in there all the time to meet with, you know, with clients and things. And it's like, if you're in Times Square, it's because you're not from New York City. (laughs) So it's pretty funny that that actually happened there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so then I have to call my mom later on once we're like dating, like steady dating. I say, mom, I think I want to stay here longer. I uh, I like I like my life here in, in the United States. My mom is like, huh, something is going on there. <laughs> so I never went back to Mexico. I start, um, I moved into New York and I got into NYU uh, school, a uh, college for nursing. And that's it. And of course, my dream was to live in New York City. I, you know, because I always commute from New Jersey to New York. I was like, I want to live in New York, please. So my husband um, had an apartment here in New York uh, in the Upper East Side. So I was like, yeah, we're going to live together. And we lived together for two years first. I didn't tell anybody because my family is very Catholic conservative. So I never told them that I was living with my husband. We all marriage, <laughs> but I think it was the best thing I have ever done. And then we got married. There you go. And it, I'll tell you what, man, like it, that, that is a wild story. Now your hometown in Mexico, was it like a rural, suburban, urban? What kind of town was it? A suburban. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows each other. Small town, very conservative, Catholic. <laughs> So when you were working in Princeton, which is also in a, a suburban town, is it's you know certainly very nice, and you know even from a running perspective, like the towpath down there is like a great place to run. I've run on it several times. Um, but coming from a you know a suburban area in Mexico, and even your first entree into U.S. was was a suburban area. What about New York has kept you there? Oh boy, it was like I mean, yeah, becoming from a small, I Princeton is very pretty. It was very pretty, but I was I was. 18 years old and I was getting tired of it like there is nothing to do like you know like uh, 7 p.m it gets dark you have you need a car for everything I just didn't like that lifestyle so moving into New York that was my dream I'm like I want to be in a city that has an energy I want to walk everywhere I don't like cars I just like to move so I just want to be active, school, and I and I came to New York and I was still working. Um, I found a job as a as a nanny in the Upper East Side, so I was working. I I was pretty active and study and and yeah, I I just love love New York. It was just like and and I still love it. I really, I mean, I still have my family's here. I still have a small apartment with my two kids, but I don't care. I just I just love it. There you go. All right, so let's dive into the running side because here you are, you come to the United States, you love what you're doing. All of a sudden you're, you're 
studying at NYU, which is one of the best schools in the world, and you're just kicking butt academically, obviously, because here you are working at, again, now you went from one of the best schools in the world to now working at one of the best hospitals in the world. Let's talk about the running side, because obviously, like, you're professionally driven. Academically, things must have worked out for you. But at the same time, like, you, you it's not as if you had this running background where you're being trained and working with teams and working with, you know, even, even like, you know, team, not just like professional teams, but like working with like a high school team and things like that. So how did you get back into running in a way where it not only was something that you enjoyed doing, but all of a sudden you're, you're, you're stepping it up to, you know, a sub elite level? Well, <clears throat> yeah, after I came to the States, I definitely took a long break. Um, and then after I moved into New York and uh, I started competing. I, I, I joined the team at NYU for track and field and cross country. So I started doing, I started getting back into my running and I started doing speed, more speed, more racing um, on the weekends with the team. So that really uh, helped me to get back into shape. And and then after that, I kind of like got tired of like the the meetings, the 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 track, and I just like I wanted to do more like a long distance. And um, so then I found my first coach here in New York, and then he started training me for for the marathon, uh, for New York marathon, for the New York City marathon. So I, I started training and. And then I did my my New York the New York City Marathon in about uh, two hours and fifty three minutes, but I start to you know I build up my speed from college and then turn and then I turn that into a long distance mileage. So that that combo helped me to get my goal to break the three hours in the marathon. So did you run at NYU? I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, uh, track and uh yeah i did track and field and uh, cross country at nyu and that's a crazy division because it's a division three school but the other schools in it's the uaa the other schools in that conference are like all over the place right you got emory down in atlanta you got brandeis up in boston and you're like going everywhere in between were you were you traveling to all of those schools or were you more regionalized with like the meets that you were doing for cross country and track we were traveling. I mean, I didn't get to do a lot of traveling, to be honest. And that part got me a little tired just because I was kind of dating my my new boyfriend here in New York. So I didn't want to be every weekend out of town. So I just did some like uh, like events, uh, local events in uh, New Jersey, D.C., Boston. But it wasn't that crazy like I was uh it got me a little tired afterwards like I just I joined the team for probably um a year and a half a little over a year and then that's when I start then when I start doing more the long distance training with my new coach from New York City and training for the marathon so you had run long distances as a kid as we've already talked about and here you are kind of stepping back into that mold is that just something that's always been a better fit for you doing the half marathons and marathons or like, I guess ultimately what was your decision to go the longer distances post-college versus just kind of sticking with the shorter five K's and 10 K's? 
you know, I I love I I love the long distance. To be honest, I mean, I I did college, I did the five k, three k, the short stuff, and I like it. But I'm like, as a kid, I got the experience to do my first marathon when I was eighteen, and and I was like, I just I just I love so much the aspect of the marathon, and. And I say I want to go back to a marathon training. I I love the I love to run a lot of mileage. I really love running. Like I'm addicted to the long distance running. So I just that's why I decide just to go back to to marathon half marathon training. And the speed the the speed um it was just a little a little too much for me. I was just I was like oh it's hard. <laughs> but it, the speed helped me to to get faster with um to for my um for my marathon training so so your preference was to go was the the, the longer runs at around easy pace or slightly faster than the easy pace that's that's your preference as opposed to like going to kick butt and like in like little like interval or high tempo workout i enjoy my tempo runs whoa you're like the only person that's ever answered that question with tempo runs. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I love tempo runs at, ma- at marathon pace. Those are my favorite ones. When it's a big when it's like half marathon pace, it's a little too much. But marathon pace, if I do eight, ten miles at marathon pace, that's, that's what I love. All right. So let's talk about your life now or just like, you know, in, in recent years as someone who is, you know, being a nurse is a highly stressful job, not only from you know a mental and emotional standpoint, but just physically. I mean, you're on your feet for 13 hours a day whenever you're on whenever you're on call and and you're working in the hospital. To say nothing of being a parent to two young kids, in addition, like you just said, someone who wants to run high mileage and who's done very well at running for a long time now, like your first marathon here. In the states, you said you ran the, the New York City Marathon two fifty three. That's it's it's insane. That's it's really really good. <laughs> so, what is let's just a day in the life of Anna Johnson? You know, I mean, what what does that look like in terms of if it, if it's a work day for you and how running fits into that day? So, for instance, when I'm training for a marathon, um, I will run about ninety to one hundred miles a week. So I work part-time as a registered nurse at Memorial Sloan Kettering um, Oncology. So I work 13-hour shift from 7 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. And I do it twice or three times a week. Uh, so when I work, I do my easy runs. And usually I will do them before I get to work in the morning. So uh, I'm talking like at 5 to 6 a.m. in the morning. And when I'm not working, I will do my workouts, long run, strength training, and just loading more miles with double runs a day. Um, and also, and also, I get to go to uh, for a massage, Cairo visit, and just do sports rehab. Um, so yeah, it's it is pretty. I I mean, I have my two boys, Will Aaron and Tristan. They are six years old and a four year old. And usually when I train up, uh, I, I usually train after I drop them off um, to school. So I will, tr- I will try to do as much as I can. Uh, I will run in recovery and eating before I pick them up from school. Um, so when I was training for the trials, I was doing the workouts with uh, some of my teammates. 
Uh, we were doing the workouts early in the morning, like around 6 a.m., uh, just before school hours. So I would just hurry back home to get the kids ready for school. Uh, but yeah, but the hardest part, of probably as many of you already know, is to manage or to have a balance between taking care of your kids, competitive training, and work. But I am very lucky to say that I have my mom living in this country and one block away from my apartment. She is my hero. And as I mentioned earlier, she was a runner and she ran 21 marathons. So she is my biggest fan and supporter. Uh, my mom is her primary caregiver. Uh, she helps me to take care of, of the kids when I'm when I have running appointments or double runs after school hours. Uh, or when I have to work all day at the hospital. I truly believe without my mom, I wouldn't be able to chase my, my dream of um, competitive training. And my husband, my husband is also a huge supporter. And I am lucky that he's not a crazy runner like me. So we have a nice balance when it comes to both kids, racing and training. He will Usually he will stay with the kids when I'm doing my long runs or workouts on the weekends. Or when I'm traveling for races, uh, usually with my mom. And I appreciate you bringing up your mom in this situation because so many people oftentimes will look at individuals and say, man, like they do everything. I just, I don't know how they do it. I I must be doing something wrong, so on and so forth. And I really appreciate you clarifying there because like, again, like it's, I mean, first of all, it's fantastic, not only for you, but even more importantly on some level for like for your kids to have this relationship with their grandma in a, in a way, in a way where like, you know, just speaking about myself, like, you know, my, my grandparents died, you know, at an age where I never had a relationship with them. And like one of them just didn't live near me. Right. So like my kids live across the street from their grandparents and my mom lives three miles away from my kids. So that my kids grew up like fully inculcated in their grandparents' lives, which is like, which is a blessing and, and no question about it. And at the same time, it's obviously so important for you to like not only be connected to your mom, but to be able to have this outlet where you're able to do things for yourself. Because like, and this is something that like, shoot, so many parents deal with. And now more than ever be, with, with the quarantine being stuck in your house, where it's hard for parents to get to the point where they can do things for themselves without feeling as if there's this guilt attached to it or associating those activities with some sort of selfish desire as opposed to just wanting more out of their own lives. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, my mom is it's like everything for us, to be honest. I mean, without her, I wouldn't be... I don't think I wouldn't be able to be the way I am right now. Um, yeah, she's she's amazing. So, what was it like for her coming to the U.S.? Because here you are, here she is, someone who lives as you already described your your home back home in Mexico as very different than the United States. You came over here; you were still young, and it's one thing for someone who's who's pretty young to like you know move someplace new and to adapt it's a wholly different thing for someone who's leaving their home and at an older age and having to make that adaptation what was it like for her coming to the u.s right so it's been like i believe eight years ago when she moved in uh, to new york my dad uh passed away um he had an accident in mexico 
And so I told my mom, why you don't come to New York and and stay with us for a little while, just feel better. And and back then, uh, the things in Mexico, I don't know if you recall it, uh, they were in really bad shape, like with the cartels and a lot of shootings. And it, it was just that. I say, mom, just come. My, my, I have two brothers in Mexico. They are old enough. They can take care of themselves. So, my, yeah, my mom said, yeah, why not? And um, so she came uh, to to New York. And I told you that I used to work with um, a family in the Upper East Side. I used to take care of their kids. So I graduated from uh, from college. I got a job at MSKCC. And then I had to tell my family, the family that was taking care of their kids. I, I say, my mom is coming to, to New York. Um, why don't my mom take my place? So she did. So my mom started taking care of those kids. She had a job. She felt so good. Like she, my mom loves to work. She, if she comes, and she, she hates doing nothing. So she loves to work. She feels just good about herself. And so that's what she did. She worked and, and then two years later, she's still here and, and she loves New York. And she's, I say, she lives in the studio one block away from my apartment. And now she comes, now she's my primary caregiver. Uh, those kids that she used to take care of, they are already, um, they're in high school. They're big. So now she's helping me and, and yeah, she loves it. And she also babysits for another runners, uh, that they live in the, in the, in the same area. So we all share my mom. She's like, she's our hero. <laughs> yeah. Especially like weekends, Saturday weekends when they have to do their long runs or I was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I sponsor her, um, because um, obviously my husband is from New York, so I get the citizenship, and my mom now has now has a USA citizenship too. <laughs> oh wow was was that a hard decision for her, or was that something that like she knew that she was going to do? She knew she was going to do. It. She wanted to do. It. Yeah, she uh, she has dual citizenship, as same as me, so uh, she doesn't have to give up Mexican citizenship. So she was really happy to do it. We got the ceremony. It was just really cute. <laughs> All right. So again, about half an hour ago, I was like, all right, let's divert back to the past. Coming <laughs> back to the present, you had this unbelievable buildup. You're running with all of these talented and fun and exciting runners in the New York City area, this huge conglomerate of, of, of teams. And you're training with all these athletes. It, your training is going fairly well, like you described, like you're keeping up with people who have had wonderful times in the past, mid to high 230s, and you feel like you're, you know, in sight of them in some of your workouts. At the same time, as we approach the end of February, COVID-19 is like is on the radar in terms of its international presence, not necessarily domestically, even though you know, we know now that it probably was here earlier than originally suspected. But as you're preparing for the trials, what was your feeling about how you were going to do and your own expectations and how things were starting to change within your profession at the same time? Well, when I was preparing for the trials, we went to Atlanta without, I didn't even know about COVID-19. Um, yeah, to be honest, I we were 
we were totally fine. I learned about COVID-19 uh, like in March 2nd, just right after the trials. So uh, I we got very lucky to go to the trials without this COVID-19. Um, but yeah, but um, the um, one day the world turned upside down and and I believe it was just, it's been very, very hard. Um, after the trials, I took a long break from running. Um, did I tell you about, do you want to hear about my experience in the trials first? Yeah, let's let's talk about the trials first. Let's talk, let's talk about like how you felt going into the race in terms of what your goals were and your expectations and what ultimately played out. Okay, so so the going into the Olympic trials weekend was amazing, unbelievable. It was just full of event dinners, a lot of activities. Um, uh, Trans Atlanta uh, Track Club made us feel like superheroes. I feel like they treat, they treat me like an Olympian. Um, it was just such a nice feeling. The event was so well planned and organized, and you know I enjoy every part of it, uh, every part of it. However, the day we were, wa- we were waiting for was not my day. Uh, the marathon day was very windy, and the course was very challenging with lots of hills. And um, I only covered only miles. And those miles were the hardest ones um, I have ever run in a marathon. So the first few miles, I was getting used to the hills and winds and trying to set my goal pace. But somehow, it didn't feel right. And I just thought that my body needed more time to warm up. So by mile 9 or 10, I started to slow down the pace. And I knew I was not going to reach my goal. My legs and body were not responding to the hills and wind. And I just didn't feel strong. And on mile nine, I decided to leave the race. It was just a very hard decision. And I was very sad. I mean, probably I could have finished finished it in like sub three hours. But I didn't train for that. That was not my goal. I had the best training in my life. I mean, previously I felt strong and I was ready for this race. And I quit the, the race thinking First, I'm not going to kill myself and my hamstring. I have a chronic tendinosis in on my left hamstring, but it was under control thanks to my chiropractor. And second, I can run another marathon very soon and to try to achieve my goal. And obviously that didn't happen since all the marathons were canceled due to the coronavirus. So I was very sad, uh, not because I didn't finish the trial, but just because I put in so many miles time, effort, dedication, um, determination, and just passion toward this big day. And I knew I was prepared to perform at my best. So now it has been two months since the trials, and some days I'm still wondering why I couldn't finish the marathon. So I want to tell you something, but um, after learning more about the coronavirus, and now realizing it has been lingering within the population for a longer time than we thought. Uh, I'm saying this because about two weeks before the trials, my husband was traveling uh, in Europe. And he came back to New York. Um, he developed a cough and a night sweat for like several days. Then about four days before the trials, my oldest son, 
was sick with high fevers and vomiting. And then two days before the trials, my youngest son also felt sick with the same symptoms of cough and vomiting. So I remember I was so stressed out, taking care of my two sick boys at the same time and thinking, oh, I could get sick just before the trials. So I took a lot of supplements like vitamin C and black um, elderberry to prevent sickness. Thursday night, I had a little bit of nasal congestion and a slightly sore throat, but I just took Motrin and it went away. I'm saying this because maybe there was a chance that my family had the virus and somehow I had it, but I was asymptomatic. And on race day, I couldn't perform at my best. And my body felt weak because maybe my body was fighting off the virus. I'm just curious and I can't wait to get the COVID antibody testing when it becomes available. I hear you. I feel the same way because I was in, in January. I see I'm doing this exact same scenario stuff in my head. So in January, I went to the uh, Houston Marathon. So I was, I was lucky enough to do two live shows at their expo. So one of them was with Alexi Pappas and Molly Huddle and another one the following day was with Jared Ward. And it was this great experience. And here's this marathon with tens of thousands of people in the fourth biggest city in America. It was a wonderful experience. However, <laughs> this was middle of January. Now, people coming there from all over the place. And then a week and a half after that marathon, I was extremely sick. And then, you know, I'm coughing like crazy. I, you know, I have flu-like symptoms, all this stuff. And so it came on fairly quickly for me. I go to the doctors. At first, they're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. You just have a virus. You're going to be fine. And then two days later, it had, had progressed rapidly. And then I went to the doctors again. And they said, okay, let's do a chest x-ray. Okay, you have pneumonia. Let's do a, a test, a flu test for you. So they, they swabbed me, like basically, you know, they like rubbed like the front of your brain with a swab. <laughs> it's like way <laughs> oh, up there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, they do the test and they're like, oh, wow, that's surprising that you don't, that you didn't test positive for the flu. They're like, I remember the doctor telling me, he's like, I've treated hundreds of people in this year with the flu you have the flu. You have every single symptom. I don't know why the test is coming negative. And like, I look back at it now and like my wife is like convinced. She's like, you had the virus. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that you had the virus. And it's like, again, did I? I have no idea. I'm sure I'll take the antibodies test later. And we'll find out. But it's so interesting. Like, I, I do the same thing of like, all right, did I? Don't I? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. And it's like, it's so funny because like, not that it even matters, but it's so weird trying to track it all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you never know, right? And and I mean, it's like I haven't got like got sick since since then, and I'm working with my, you know, I have COVID patients, and I don't get sick, so I'm always I'm like I'm probably I have the immunity. <laughs> yeah, maybe now, right? Yeah, that's that, that's interesting, and, and and obviously you never know. And even if you didn't have COVID nineteen, the fact that your entire household was sick within five days of the trials, like you probably had something. That's what I keep saying. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense why I just didn't feel right. Like I had the perfect training and I just, some kind of virus, my 
definitely my body was fighting off. <laughs> I just feel weak. Yeah. So when you look back on that race now, because obviously, like you mentioned before, that you weren't feeling well. And at the same time, part of the reason that you dropped out of that race was this idea of, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill myself in this race when I can just have, when I can just do another marathon later. Right. It's not as if, again, you're, you're an excellent runner, but it's not as if you were trying to be on the Olympic team, right? Like you weren't going to finish top three. So it's understandable for you to be like, okay, I'm not going to, not going to kill myself in this race. If I can just, all right, things aren't going my way. I'll regroup. Maybe I'll run the Boston Marathon. Maybe I'll run a different marathon, but I'll, I'll go kick butt somewhere else if it's not going to happen today. However, and a lot of people are in your shoes now. When you look back on that race, and here we are, where there are no more races, is it harder? Is it hard to look back on that decision making process now, knowing what you know, and saying, "Oh my goodness, I should have just stayed in it." No, really. I don't regret not finishing the race. Um, you know, the best part was qualifying for uh, to the Olympic trials and enjoying my training for it. It just made me feel 100% and ready for anything. And and my goal was, back in my head, my goal was, like, I, th I think I trained for sub-240, to, to 40, and I think I could have done it uh, in better circumstances. So I don't really regret it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I made the best decision. So it's interesting what you just said about how, you know, when you reflect back on that process, you don't regret anything because for you, it was all what happened in training was the highlight. And I think back to what you talked about when you were back in Mexico, how what drove you was the success that you had at races. So what's that progression been like for you in terms of where you find motivation and affirmations within running compared, you know, in terms of whether it comes from the races, like when you were a teenager or now where you draw those same feelings from, you know, just competing in practice and, and training runs with your friends and, and, and colleagues? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, as, like in Mexico, I, I used to, to train, I used to get me competitive. And right, like right now with my, with my colleagues and we do have this, you know, running, we, we do the running races, local running races, and we'll still do the comp a competitive level. And, you know that's where I focus on my my all my my talent as a runner, just to perform at my best. Did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you think about it now, in terms of your future goals, knowing that you know who knows when you know we'll have the races available that you want to run in. How do you now look at running in a way where? Not only is it a mental and emotional release, like it is for so many people, but it's also a competitive release for you. Like, how, how do you get to that point where you can get the competitiveness out of you in running without having the races in the near future or even on the horizon? I mean, yeah, this quarantine has been so 
difficult. And to be honest right now, I have no time for myself. There is no time for me, time for strength training or stretching at home. I mean, I dedicate my full time when I'm not working to my kids. So I stress out about keeping up with homeschool and virtual activities. And at work, it's a scary and stressful environment. So the only part right now that keeps me alive and motivated is running. And running is my only freedom that I have now and can control. I just need one hour to 90 minutes every day in order to feel normal and get the energy and motivation I need to get back to my kids, to my work, and to my quarantine life. I'm not really thinking about racing in the future because I I know that these races are not going to come anytime soon. So I just do it for my own self just to feel just to feel better about myself and keep going with this crazy quarantine life. And we have very different jobs and we are very different runners. With that said, I can completely relate to what you are saying. And when you think about that 60 minutes to 90 minutes that you have for running now, are you still putting in the same kind of schedule you're putting in before? And by that, I don't mean necessarily that you're doing the same mileage, but that you're putting in the same kind of like, all right, if it's a Tuesday, it's a track workout. So Sunday, it's a long run. Like, Or are you approaching it completely different than you have in the past? Oh, it's different. I mean, after the after the trials, I took a long, long break, and because I was training, I mean, I trained for the New York City Marathon back in November uh, two thousand eighteen, and then I have, and then I took a little break, and then I get, I went back to my training um, for the trial. So it was just a long training, and I I run the hundred like to ninety to one hundred miles, so I put so many miles. So I did a, like a probably four weeks and four weeks off and also my hamstring was not was a little bit up so I didn't want to do anything um so right now I start running how about a probably uh I don't know like four weeks ago and I just just running putting just miles whatever it is but now I mean I was at the point last week I was at the point that okay I need to do something because I feel like I'm just going out and run and do See what happens. That is gonna get me out of shape, and I'm just not that motivated. So I asked my coach just to give me a training plan, and just to you know to keep low mileage. I'm doing like about fifty to sixty miles a week, and just to do two mile workouts um, a week. So she's giving me. I just started this week. Actually, this is my first week doing my workouts, and I'm, I'm getting excited. I feel like you know, like. I, I, I miss that feeling of like oh, getting tired and like, you know, even though I'm running by myself, but I'm just, I feel like I'm getting stronger again. Uh, so, so yeah, I, uh, I'm getting back, you know, little by little, but I, I do want to keep uh, low mileage for now. And is part of the reason for that, just how demanding your job is right now and just the emotional, mental and emotional demands of not only the job, but the homeschooling piece. And anyone with kids knows like this homeschooling thing, again, I'm, I'm married to a teacher. I'm, oh. I'm, I've, I've been aware of how demanding a teacher's job is the whole time. 
But at the same time, like it's different to like homeschool your kids while also having a full time job. That's something that's extremely challenging. Um, so what's that been like in terms of trying to ration out your energy? Like, do you feel like you need to make sure that you don't put too much into your running so you have energy for the other parts of your life? That's right. I do feel like that. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, if I would have run more than 60 miles, I wouldn't have the energy to do homeschooling because I am learning how to become a teacher now. And and honestly, I just, I'm learning how to be patient with my kids and and we do live in a small apartment in New York, so there is no space for us, and we are like isolated here. So it's a little, it's very stressful. And if I just need to have more energy, just just to take care of my kids and do the homeschooling, try my as best as I can. And I like those fifty, sixty miles a week that gives me sane at the same time. It's like a, it's a good balance. All right. So last thing before we get going, first of all, thank you so much for your time. You know, like we just mentioned, like you live a crazy life and you just talked to me for an hour and I'm so appreciative of that. What are you excited about now moving forward in the running world? Well, uh, I am excited. Hopefully my goal, I, I will achieve, uh, um, running two hours under two hours and 40 minutes. That's my biggest goal. And I think hopefully once this is all over, uh, hopefully by next year, I will find out, I want to do a flat marathon because I'm tired of running hills. So I want to find something flat. I love uh, like Rotterdam, for instance, in the Netherlands. Um, I would love that. I would love to do that one. Uh, so that will be my goal. Just get back into the training once my schools are back in school and everything, so I can do my 100 miles a week <laughs> or 90 miles. And, um, and yeah, and just achieve my goal before I get too old <laughs> and I can't run anymore. I don't think there's any chance of that, especially <laughs> someone who is, is training in, in the same area as Roberta Groner, who is also working in healthcare, who also has kids, and who is also killing it as a master's runner. I can see great things ahead for you. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big ups to our sponsors, to healthcare providers, not providers, but um, companies that I absolutely love, Prevenex and Athletic Greens. I take... I think five different supplements from Prevenex every morning. You heard me talk about Joint Health Plus in the beginning of this episode. That's just one of the five that I take. I love this stuff. I really and truly do. Before I recorded this intro and outro, I actually mixed up a uh, Prevenex chocolate protein shake, which is a nice snack in my uh, early morning, not early morning, but mid-morning, and then Athletic Greens. And that's the thing is if I don't get all of my health that I love to get from foods, which Let's be honest, I usually don't. I love to have athletic greens in the afternoon just as a way to stay on course from a nutrition perspective. Health is such a big deal for all of us, and it's important that we put the right stuff into our bodies. Prevenex and athletic greens help us do just that. Thank you so much for listening to all the episodes here on the Rambling Runner podcast. It really means so much to me. So have a great day and happy running.
This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.